You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, recording live via via the internet. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your good buddy Liv. And if you're keeping score at home, this is episode 75, the Diamond Jubilee edition. Whoop whoop. Diamond Jubilee. I was a um, I was a participant in a very famous Diamond Jubilee. Boy Scouts. Um, Boy Scouts. Exactly right, man. Exactly right. I knew you were going to say that. I, uh, I'm an Eagle <laughs> Scout. Did you know that? Wait, what's that? I'm an Eagle Scout. I did not did know you were an Eagle Scout. I'm an Eagle Scout. I, um... I just know that they had the 75th when back in the 80s when we were kids. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly, uh, that's exactly right. I was, um, I don't know. Uh, it's just 80s? Yeah, probably 80. Probably like 87, huh? Yeah, 87, 88, something like that. Because I would have still been in like Look elementary school. Not elementary school, middle school. Yep. Um, so pretty like into it you know i mean i was an eagle scout so i was into it the whole way yeah obviously um, i knew one guy in high school that became an eagle scout you actually know two eagle scouts besides uh your buddy in high school why who besides you cuddy cuddy is an eagle scout yeah yeah that makes sense um and he's uh he's kind of a in some regard he's a a prototypical stereotypical eagle scout like you know for the most part he's always uh you know it's got like a pocket knife on him or you know a yard of rope or he can tie a bowline or a you know sheep shank or you know whatever you need at that point yeah you know he's prepared he can jump in but um in some regards, he's the antithesis of a of an Eagle Scout. At least yeah. from where I come from in terms of like um you know, demeanor and decorum and stuff. Like it wasn't it wasn't like a bunch of rabble rousing and a bunch of hazing and a bunch of shit like that, you know? Which is one of the reasons why like fraternity never um, appealed to me because any organized activity that I had was, you know, any organized activity of camaraderie was pretty tame and pretty lame. But I don't know, Cuddy's Boy Scout experience must have been kind of fucked up for him to turn out the way he turned out. <laughs> uh, let's see, the Diamond Jubilee, 1985. 1985, all right. Yep. I remember my mother was the head of my sister's Girl Scout troop. Okay. And they had the diamond like a couple of years after that. You know, I know it was in the 80s because our, you know, they had the, the news people out there at the school where they were doing the, the meeting, you know. I am. Um, 87 because Girl Scouts came a couple of years after the Boy Scouts. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I, I don't know. It just doesn't have the same. Or I mean, now I guess Boy Scouts isn't something that you know has a has a 
has a really high profile, but like, I don't know, back then, like, it was a big deal, and to be an Eagle Scout was a big deal, and, you know, like, to go to summer camp was a big deal. I knew a bunch of Girl Scouts and stuff, um, just from around town or whatever, and like, I don't know, they never had any, you know special place in the in like the civic community whereas i don't know we were always out doing shit and yeah you know raising funds and building stuff and i don't know we were always cleaning up graveyards i, I feel like that's what well, i don't know we were always out cleaning some type of cemetery for some reason <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure the significance of that but yeah um i don't know that was our niche in town See, my three I guess. older brothers were all in scouts None of them became an Eagle Scout, but I was only in it for a cup of coffee. Yeah, you know, like, I don't know, a lot of the shit that I did as a little kid that was kind of like a big part of me growing up, um, I, I don't necessarily know if it has any, you know, if, it, if it's got a lot of value in today's society, you know, like, if my little nephew doesn't go in to scouts, which he probably isn't gonna. He's already at that age where he would have probably been thinking about it or something. I wouldn't be like, hey, you know what you should try? You should try Boy Scouts. Like, yeah. Eh. Listen, it was kind of cool for me, and it was kind of cool at the time, but like, uh, nowadays if I was a kid, I would just want somebody to take me camping. I don't want to have to put on the uniform, because it never fit. I was a chubby kid, you know, and like, the pants always had to have a bad hem and like you know the belt was too small and you know you're a pubescent kid you got acne you don't need to be wearing a handkerchief around your neck whatever they call it a uh uh what do they call that not a kerchief it's a uh yeah i don't know i know they had a different name for it but i mean you're the one that was a scout you should know yeah yeah what the hell is it called i want to I want to say it's some type of chief. I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, not a neckerchief or a handkerchief. A handkerchief. There was a time when <laughs> if you got to be uh, old and <laughs> the emphasis on chief. A neckerchief. It's a neckerchief. <laughs> I think most people just say handkerchief. <laughs> handkerchief. Yes, I know when you call it a kerchief, it's a kerchief, but it's weird to call it a handkerchief. I guess really you should be saying, well, it's a hand kerchief. <laughs> when you got to, uh, when you elevated to a certain level, I don't remember what the certain level was. Like or what. Weeblo? No, 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 no. It was like within Boy Scouts. Uh, the Wolf you... Scout? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. It was an internal unofficial ranking. Yeah. And you could uh, transition to a bolo tie. Oh, okay. Like a like a like a cowboy would wear. Yeah, I mean, I remember those things. I mean, I never. Maybe I wore one briefly. I don't know because the no, because I wasn't even. I was a like, Cub Scout real briefly. Okay. You know? Yeah. And uh, but they had the little breast thing, you know, that you put to uh, tighten up the the handkerchief thing. The slide, it's called. Yes. Neckerchief, neckerchief slide. Yes. Yeah, that was always tough to keep track of. Yeah. You know, you're a 12-year-old kid. See, you know, the reason I never got into scouts, well, 
Did they have the Tiger Cubs when you started? Because that was like no. a new thing when I was a kid. Yeah, that was kind of like right after. Yeah, right all after right. Me. All right, that that was like a new thing. Um, but they um, so they had the Tiger Cubs, and I wasn't in that. But then I joined the Cub Scouts, but I think I was like eight years old at the time, because technically okay. I think the Cub Scouts started then. Yeah, I think so. It's yeah, like I think eight you had to, to be eight to be in a Cub Scout. So that was the first year I'd start. Well, I'd, I'd start playing like playground basketball the year before, but that was the first year I started playing football. And the meetings, they always had one on Wednesday after school. And those were always the same days that we had football games and football practice for eight-year-olds, you know? Okay, all right. And I remember thinking, all the guys that were in Cub Scouts, none of them played sports. I remember thinking, well, this is kind of nerdy, you know? So, like, I was never at the meetings, you know? I was like, I was like, I can't believe For one, I was like, who the fuck schedules these meetings on Wednesday? But it was all these guys, guys I knew, guys I grew up with. But none of them, I think none of them had parents that would let them play football. So it was perfect for them. You okay. know? And they were the ones who the meetings were built around, you know. So it was just like, ah, fuck it. I'm not going to do it. I went, I went to a couple of meetings when I was able to go. Went on a field trip to the Coca-Cola bottling plant, which was worth it. Because that was always my favorite, one of my f- two favorite field trips we, that I went on throughout my youth. You know, it was a common field trip, the Coca-Cola bottling plant. <laughs> you know, and then I think I went on that field trip and I never did another scout thing again. I um, I think one of the reasons why I did stay in so long, one, um, one of the reasons was when I was in Cub Scouts, my... It was only during the school year, so you didn't, you didn't go during the summertime. My mom was my... Um, leader. Because when you're a little, when you're little in the Cub Scouts, moms are yeah, leaders. you have a dead mom. Yeah, dead mom exactly. Um, and my dad was my soccer coach, so we made sure that there was never a conflict. Yeah. So soccer practice was on Wednesday. Uh, you know, a Cub Scouts was on Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was if, at my house. See if I would have been in one. Uh, scout troop with guys that were playing my sport, it wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah, and then and there um, was one. It was those guys' moms. It was two of the moms that were the dead moms. Okay, and they and their kids didn't play football, so they didn't give a damn. Yeah, right. They were anti-football. Yeah. When I was a um, when I got into Boy Scout, so that's like I don't know. I thought I think that's thirteen. I think it was like 12 or 13, something like that. Um, the, the, the reason I stayed in so long and was, was so active is the meetings were Friday nights, like at 7 o'clock. Okay. If they were on like a Tuesday or a, or a school night, I would never have been able to do it because I used to get um, school night anxiety, even, even to this day. I, we might have talked about this, how um, – like, I got to lay out, I used to have to lay out my clothes the day before because <laughs> I would get so anxious that I'd oversleep or that I wouldn't be ready or I wouldn't miss the bus or, or that I'd miss the bus, you know? And, like, I couldn't do anything on school nights, even in high school. Like, 
I was home by seven. You know, track practice was over. I'd be home. I'd eat dinner. I'd do my homework. Boom. I was in bed by nine. Like, that's how anxious I got. But Boy Scouts was on Friday night. So, whatever. It was awesome. Yeah. And when I got to be like 14 or 15, when I started getting to high school probably, uh, one of the older kids who, you know, had kind of started to phase himself out um, was like, man, why don't you guys change these meetings? It's Friday night. Who the hell wants to come on a Friday night? And I'm like, wow, that's easy for you, man. You got a car, you know? You can do all kinds of stuff. He's like, like, I was doing shit when I was your age that would have kept me busy on a Friday night. Like, you know, get with it, brother. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I had to think about it for a second. But once they changed it, eventually they changed it to, uh, you know, to a weekday. And even then, as a 16, 17-year-old, I was like, oh, I can't deal. (laughs) I can't deal with this. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of ebbed and flowed for a while. And I took advantage of a loophole that said, oh, I forget what the loophole was. But I didn't technically finish in the time frame that you were supposed to. Like do the whole volunteer stuff with a service project or whatever? Yeah, like the service project had to take place before a certain time, but the rest of it, like the, um, it's called, I forget what it was called. I don't know, some type of like powwow type of deal. Once you they did have honor. a thing called the powwow though, right? Oh, man. A thing called the powwow. No, there's a thing called the Order of the Arrow. Well, Powwow might have just been some event they did down here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure some type of, like, My jamboree. brother was in it a lot longer, so I used to have to go to all that. Okay. Josh, who's your age. Okay. You know, he was into it, into the Boy Scouts, I think, until he went on to eighth grade when you go to a different school, you know? Yeah. And that was my only experience with summer camp, was, was Boy Scout camp. Yeah. And... You know, it, it it was like a normal camp experience. Um, you know, they had a lake and a and boats, and you went to archery, and you signed up for activities and whatever. But, you know, every night you had to dress up in your uniform and go to dinner or whatever. And it was a week-long deal, and it was kind of a big deal. Like, the first time I went, I think my mom, you know, cried or whatever, and they drove me up there, and it was like a big deal. But that was my experience with camp until I went to Syracuse. And... Um, met Jewish people. <laughs> yeah, Jew camps. Their camp experience very similar in the sense that they 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 go to a camp that has a lake and it's got boats and activities yeah. and talent shows and whatnot. Um, but they go for like eight weeks, eight weeks. Like yeah, so I, long, you know, like long, long time. And I was like, whoa, how do you guys do that? And they're like, what do you mean? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I never my two oldest brothers I know went to like Boy Scout camp when they were kids back in the seventies. Okay. Yeah, I I don't think Josh even did that. I never went to a formal summer camp. I went to like day camps, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a recreation kind of camp or whatever. Yeah, like, like the high school I went to did a day camp. I went there for like two years when I was like eight and nine. You know, and you, it was like six weeks during the summer, you know? Yeah. And it was cool. You do stuff. You go to you go to camp every day in your little T-shirt and shorts, you know, your little camp outfit. Uh, you know, and you do activities. You go on field trips. You go swimming 
once a week. You know, it was all kinds. You go bowling, all kinds of bullshit. You know, you go. To, you'd always take a tour of the Coca-Cola bottling plant once during camp. In <laughs> <laughs> the Bunny Bread Factory, which was my other favorite um, field trip, because they'd always give you a big old loaf of this Bunny Bread, which was, which is awesome white bread. So okay. you sit out there waiting for the bus with just everybody being their loaf of white bread. <laughs> uh, so, like, the Coca-Cola bottling plant was so great because they'd always bring you in there. You know, you go through the, you know, first thing you'd start is, like, in the whole bottling operation, the machines gone, you know, the bottles gone everywhere, you know, on the big moving the belt. But eventually they'd... You know, they take you upstairs to a room, to like a big old like conference room, and uh, they everybody be able to get their drink of choice, whatever Coca Cola product there was in the world at the time. Okay. You know? And I remember back. I remember one time back in the mid '80s. It was at the time Coca Cola was promoting this drink. It was a it was a box, uh, like fruit drink called Squeeze. Do you remember that stuff? No. No. Squeeze? Yeah, it was, a, it was called Squeeze, and it was like, I remember it was like a green box. I don't know if they were all green boxes or if that was just one variety. And I remember some kid got that, but I always got a freaking Coke, you know? <laughs> it's like, they're like, you can have whatever you want. I was always like, give me a Coke. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time I ever went to go use one of those machines, you know, those freestyle Coke machines now where you can get... 800 different flavors or whatever yeah first time i ever went to use one of those like five or six years ago you know because it was like uh some some guy who does a food blog was given out who who worked with a friend of mine was giving out uh these wendy's ten dollar gift cards it was it was all based on wendy's was the first place to have those machines it was to to advertise the freestyle machines i'm like all right great i'll go to wendy's now and and try the machine. I get up there, and what did I do? I got a fucking Coke. <laughs> I was like, 800 flavors, all I want's a Coke. Uh, but, uh, perfect. But you'd get your drink, and then you'd go in there, and you'd sit down, and you'd watch, like, a best of Coke commercials from the past 50 years or whatever it was at the time. Okay. And they'd, all, you know, they'd always have the, uh, you know, hey, kid. Thanks, Mean Joe. You know, that was always the crowd pleaser. All right. All right. I would have went with, uh, I like to buy a world of Coke. Yeah, that was always that. That was always a high point. And there was one that they would always show because they'd always explain it. There was a Coke commercial in the late 70s and had the Grambling Marching Band. And they always explained they really want the Southern Marching Band, but they weren't available or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was one. Of, it was one of the bigger commercial campaigns at the time. You know, they. It was all the slow. The commercials with all the slogans over the years, like things go bad, or with things go bad, or with Coke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is, every year after they show the commercials, they'd have the Coke representative lady or whatever up there, and she'd like, "I'll take questions," and someone would invariably ask. Is it true that Coke used to be made with cocaine? <laughs> and they'd always dodge the answer. You know? <laughs> like, right. right. Be all evasive. <laughs> how, how old were the campers? 
Oh, uh, I mean, this is when I was like nine years old or something. <laughs> it was always asked. Was, you know, the range of ages would be probably like six or seven to like probably 11, maybe. Okay. All so right. there, but there's always someone that was going to ask that question. Right. You know, right. it was like it was like the question I had to be asked because, you know, when you grow up, that's always the uh, that's one of those great urban legends when you grow up. I mean, yeah. even though it is true, but it's but when you're a kid, it's just an urban legend, right? Oh, Coke used to be made with cocaine, yeah, right? Hmm. And prescribed, right? Wasn't yeah. it a? Uh, it was an elixir. I don't know if it was technically prescribed because a lot of shit wasn't prescribed at all. Right, right, right. I got you. Yes. Yeah, these patent medicines and stuff. They used to they used to sell all kinds of crap that was jacked up with cocaine and all kinds of stuff that could kill you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But you'd be happy when you die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of summer camps, have you, uh, do you, are you, you have Netflix? Yeah, are you going to talk about Wet Hot American Summer? Yeah, yeah, okay. Am I the only person who doesn't, who didn't know that that was a movie? Wait, what's that? Am I the only person who didn't know that was a movie? I guess so, because... I never knew it was a movie the first time I saw it, but the first time I saw it was probably right after it come out. Um, Talking like 15 you, years? The first time I ever saw it was 2002, and it was at Steve Insminger's, the basement of Steve Insminger's parents' house, at a, uh, with, and I was with Cuddy there for an engage, Steve's engagement party in Red and Mass right after I had moved to Boston. Okay, and Cuddy and him worked together. That's why Cuddy was yeah, there. Yeah, that's why Cuddy and Cuddy had this uh, stewardess girlfriend at the time, and now that he's married and happily married. I can say that she was kind of weird because um, <laughs> it's not her. Right. <laughs> you know, he's not married to this person, so I can denigrate her a little bit, I guess. What year was this? Two thousand two. All right, so Cuddy was living up in. He was in, living in uh, Boston. He was living in Winthrop at the time. At Winthrop, okay. All right, I kind of, I kind of know who that was. Yeah, yeah, blonde girl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was pretty good looking though, right? Um, I mean, I, for a particular taste, I guess. Yeah. She Trashy. Petite. She what? She was kind of petite. Uh, maybe not. I'm trying to think. The girl I'm thinking of had a connection to somebody else. Um. So it's not the girl I was thinking of. I don't know how could he get out of there without marrying a flight attendant. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. He um, he started dating Shannon while he was living there. Yeah, I know. I was I was living there while that started going on. You were? Oh, yeah. in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Shannon not in Winthrop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember anyway, telling all stuff about her parents were big partiers, and you know they'd. Um, <laughs> They'd make them stay in their crib on Sundays or whatever because they were trying to sleep in from their party in the night before. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've met his parent, her, her her parents. Her dad's pretty cool. Nice guy. Yeah, I never met him, but uh, uh, pretty much as advertised. A little less, you know, a little more mature than maybe the stories, you know, would allude to. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but know. it kind of goes. Head in hand, because Cuddy and Shannon, you know, they like the party. Yeah. They like well, to have you a know, good time. 
I actually haven't hung out with either of them in a long time, probably five or six years. Yeah. Maybe last time was when last I... Last time I went to Syracuse, Shannon, and I went up there with Cuddy, and uh, Sean Reardon was with us too, but I don't think he came... I think he came separately. But it was... Yeah, because it was Cuddy, Shannon, and Shannon had a friend who was from the Syracuse area that was with us. That was 2003 homecoming, man. It's the last time I was in Syracuse. You're kidding. Wow. No. That's a long time. Yeah, 12 fucking years, man. Isn't that nuts? That is. All right, we, we got we have actually some Syracuse planning to do, but but while I'm on the Wet Hots American Summer. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I didn't want to get you That's okay. That. No, that's okay. When you saw it, what did you like it? Did you think it was funny? Was yeah, it, I thought it was funny in a whimsical way. Okay, all right. Because that's right. what like, it is. It's like whimsy type of stuff. It's it's weird, kooky. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's the Cultish. state type of comedy. Yes, because that's what it is. Like guys from the state and shit like that. You know. So it's all over Netflix. Um, the yeah, Wet Hot American Summer first day of camp Friday where they came out. Yeah. It was a movie, but now they've come out with like a series. Yeah, so I read something, as I'm apt to do, um, do a little research on the thing that I'm about to get into. And I guess what happened was the the um, the writing team had this whole idea that after the movie they were going to pitch... Um, they were going to pitch a series... Or a mini series or something, and I think they actually try to set it up in the movie. Um, at one point in the movie, they're they're kind of hanging out, and they go, "Hey, you know what we should do? We should get together in ten years from now, this very day." And then they have a little conversation about like what time and whatever. So, my guess is that they wanted to maybe do like a jump off because all those actors, first of all, the cast is incredible, and it's all their first movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, Niles Crane was in it. Bradley Cooper, Amy Poehler, yeah. uh, Joe Latrulio, Ken Marino, Molly Shannon, Chris yeah. Maloney, Paul Rudd. Like, yeah. Uh, at the time, I guess well, David Ken, Hyde Ken, Pierce. Ken Marino, he was in the state. Yeah. Um, was, uh, Niles... I want to dip my balls in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what it was. It was those guys who wrote the movie, I think, you know? People oh. from the state, wasn't it? Oh, was it really? I think um, it was, wasn't it? Because they had a big influence on the movie. Yeah, wait. I, there was another thing that I saw that that Amy Poehler was in that I was like, oh, she was in that? It was another one of those groups. Um, not was the, it Upright Citizens Brigade? Yes. I think Amy Poehler might have been in that. She was in Upright Citizens Brigade, yep. But let me click on here. Let's see what uh, Michael David Wayne was in. David Wayne. Yeah, he's on that that another period show right now. I think he was a writer. About, the guy with the glasses. Yeah, he's on the state. Yeah. Uh, he was a writer for Mad TV. Yes. He was a writer he also for, writes for uh, Children's Hospital. Do you ever watch Children's Hospital? <laughs> no, no. Oh God, it's Rob Corddry. It's kind of mocking the. <laughs> they take like the uh, Patch Adams idea. Okay, all right. Uh, Rob Corddry's the main character. Kim Marino's on it. You know, it, it's it's one of the Adult Swim shows, and uh, but Rob Corddry, he's the main character. He's 
always walking around, you know, in this surgical smock and it's covered in blood and he's dressed <laughs> like a clown because he heals people through the power of laughter. Right, right. <laughs> Not like the kids die and he's like shaking a rubber chicken at him and shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a preposterous show. I got right. I have a season to catch up on it, but it's a great show. Yeah, generally, I um. But you didn't like. When did you see the movie for the first time? Last night. All right. So you watched the movie because you heard all this hype. Well, I watched the first two episodes, and I thought that it was kind of it was kind of outlandish that the forty something year olds are playing teenage camp counselors. Yeah. And I'm like, in and of itself, that's kind of funny. But like I'm like, how did they get all these people to do this like spoof thing? And then I was like, wait a minute, there's a movie. Yeah, and you had like, no clue about that. I had no clue about the movie. So I watched two episodes and I'm like, this is kind of funny, but I bet it would be funnier if I knew what this was all about. I'll tell you this much though, and this is for my memory of it, which might not be the biggest ring endorsement, or it says what about my sense of comedy. I think the funniest thing about the movie is that it takes place in one day. Uh, yeah. But because, you know, during the movie, they, you know, they make it seem like it's a drawn out summer camp movie, but it's all taking place in one day. Right. But right. It's, it's all the action of your normal, like a meatballs movie that takes place over the course of a summer, but in one day, the love story and all that bullshit. Yeah. Like they go into town. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they get, uh, they buy beer, and then they buy Coke, and then they end up in a crack house, and then, like, all this stuff, you know? And then they come driving back into camp, and they're like, oh, it's so good to get away, even just for yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they and got I, a whole love story going on. <laughs> right, right. I don't uh, normally find that uh, that kind of comedy funny. I'm not a huge, like, um, you know, farce or, or spoof kind of comedy, but this is actually kind of funny because it's kind of oh, smart. You actually liked it? I, I did. All right, because the I way did. you set it up sounded like you were going to be disappointed in it. No, 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 no. I thought it was funny. I thought it, Now, it helps that I like all of those characters, all of those actors. Yeah. You know? Um, the, um, I forget... I forget what the only guy I don't right been in a quite a handful of stuff back then because I don't know if you remember came out twenty years ago now he was in Clueless who's that Paul Rudd Paul Rudd yes yes he was the stepbrother he was a stepbrother but like a guy like Bradley Cooper yeah Bradley Cooper was young I mean because he's my age he he was in the street which I remember watching um it was a TV show but that was it. That was his... Yeah, he, I mean, he was up and coming. I mean, like, he was very young back then. I mean, that movie came out then. He's my age, so he probably was probably 25 when he made it. Uh, let's see. Bradley Cooper is born in 1975. That's you, right? Uh, no, no, he's a year older. Okay. When was he born in 75? Which is... January. Okay, so he's like a whole year and a half older than me. Okay. And then But I Amy, knew he was around my age, you know. So Amy Poehler um had done Upright Citizens Citizens Brigade 
upright citizens brigade but other than that only had you know a bit part or two in a couple shows a couple movies see that's the thing bradley cooper wasn't you know he was such a lesser member of the cast as far as people i recognized in that movie when i saw it Mm because that's the only time i saw it It, that first time i remember seeing bradley cooper or anything was wedding crashers Yes, that was kind of his breakout. Dickhead, you know, sack, yes. sack lodge. Yeah, he's like the dickhead super preppy. Yeah, you know the classic prep school douchebag. You know, <laughs> this was um, so good at playing it. I did so when he so like when Hangover and stuff came out and they had him, I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this movie because I'm I'm trying to hate that guy because he's like. He he was like Wedding Crashers version of William Zapka. <laughs> you mean Billy? Yes, and you cannot <laughs> like William Zapka or Billy Zapka in anything he was in. Cause You're he, right. Because he just had that look, and Bradley Cooper had that look too, uh, of like, you know, the elitist look, you know, the, just the huh? dickhead preppy guy look. I know. I hear you. Know, it. That's I why he was so perfect in Wedding Crashers, and he was so good at the role. I was like. I don't know how I'm going to like him in this movie, you know? And I don't know. Now I'm a Bradley Cooper fan, so. Yeah, I'm with you. Because he's even um, schmucks. Like in American Hustle, he was a schmuck. Uh, yeah, he plays crazy guy. Like an affable, lovable crazy guy in uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, Silver Linings Playbook. I mean, he was great in that. But I mean, like, you know, it's like American Hustle, he wasn't, you know, Christian Bale was the alpha, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas he, you know, he's the FBI guy, but he's kind of a schmuck. <laughs> I didn't see American Hustle. Uh, you didn't, that's a very, well, I can't believe you didn't see it. Amy Adams is in it. <laughs> no, no, uh, no I don't like Lawrence, you know, no, it's an all-star cast. Louis yeah, C.K.'s in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you know that uh, Amy Adams bothers me. That's why, you know, these, these uh, lines in the sand that I draw. Yeah, but Keanu Reeves is not in it, though. <laughs> That's true, which is why I'll see it eventually. I'll see it eventually. Um, Elizabeth Banks is in it. It's her first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this chick, I had no idea who she was, but I feel like I should know who she is. But I'm looking at at her IMDb, and she's kind of um, she's kind of a nobody. Um, Marguerite Moreau. She plays uh, Katie. She plays the hot chick. Okay. What the hell um, else has she been in? Uh, Mighty Ducks. Oh, so she was like one of these child actors. Um, she must have been. She was at 94, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 94. Um, she was in... And that's it. Like... She was in a TV show called Life as We Know It. She was in the OC for a couple uh, episodes. That's it. Mad Men for a season. Maybe just an episode. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, Parenthood. One, two, three, four. Four episodes of Parenthood. That, that's a show that's currently shameless. running, right? Uh, just ended, yeah. Okay, I never watched that show. Yeah, that's it. Had kind of had no career after that, but she's like the star, hot chick of that movie. Uh, okay. Zach Orth, 
You know who that is? Who? Orth? Zach Orth. Zach Orth. No, no, I don't know who that is. Hmm. Um, it's interesting you mentioned Parenthood because, uh, well, they they have a whole series of commercials and they're always updating them with, who? What's that guy's name? Dax Shepard and his wife. Kristen, Kristen Bell. Bell. Yeah. But what I want to know is, what is the fucking appeal of Dax Shepard? <laughs> I mean, the high point of Dax Shepard's career should be playing the friggin' idiot in Idiocracy. Uh, I would have even just stopped at punked. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. Idiocracy is a great crappy film. But okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What's punked? Punked is the Ashton Kutcher uh, what, MTV. What, Dax Shepard was one of his regular... Uh, yeah, it's his, it's his buddy. Pranksters? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. I never yeah. watched Punked. <laughs> it was way, way back. They didn't even refer to him by name. I think they just might have called him Dax. Okay. You know, he didn't have a credit or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I never I'm watched be- that because it was an Ashton Kutcher show. Oh, I loved Ashton Kutcher. I thought oh, it was really funny. God, he's a, so fucking annoying. Yeah, but back then it was... Um, he was way more annoying back then. Oh, I don't think so. I think he got to be way more annoying when he got to be an adult and, uh, you know, married to me more and tweeted, you know, incessantly. Like, as a kid who has a ton of money, you know, that's kind of what I expect. Yeah. A child, uh, you know, a teenage actor... On a on a hugely popular hit but you know sitcom. what I I had less tolerance for Wilma Valderrama so thank God he's off the friggin' map now. Ah, uh, he's not off the map. When why was he on the map recently? He is. He dates somebody. <laughs> he what dates somebody. I haven't seen him like on any TV shows or anything in a long time. What's his name? Wilmer, right? Yes, Wilmer Valderrama. Uh, Wilmer Valderram, a wife. He's married. He is married. I mean, when a... he when he was at his high point, he was known oh. like boning all these hot broads. Yeah, tons. Yeah. Uh, Demi Lovato. He either okay. dates Demi Lovato or is married to. She's a Demi regular Lovato. on that James Corden show. Uh that's the new late night guy. Oh, okay. The guy that took Craig Ferguson's spot. Because last night, was it last night or two nights ago? Uh, yeah, I was up later than I should have been. And they had her driving around with him. They do some singing telegram thing. And I think I've seen that show one or two other times. It was like a couple of months ago. And they were doing the same shtick. I was like, oh, apparently. And I didn't know who it was till they said, oh, Demi Lovato, you know, to somebody. And I was like, oh, that's who that is. Okay. Because Demi Lovato was somebody who, she's a Disney channel person or something, I think. She was one of the Barney kids. Yeah, but I think she had a Disney channel show too after that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like she was something my niece was into. Yeah. Like when, like when she was very little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she became like, like a Disney pop princess. And then I think it was her who was. She kind of fell out of favor. They had the thing where I think she was cutting herself. Yeah, she went away for, like, um, mental rehab. Yeah. Yeah, I saw, like, not behind the music, because obviously they don't make those anymore, but I saw some type of special uh, where they, you know, she kind of, 
talks about it and they, you know, follow her around or whatever. Um, pretty interesting. Like, she was kind of a fucked up kid. Like, she's like, this really fucked me up. I was the, you know, I was on the most popular kid show in the world. <clears throat> and they referred to me as the fat one. <laughs> <laughs> fat one. Uh, you know, how sucky is that? Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, so, um, I think then she did like, uh, uh, like, I don't know, one of those shows, um, America's Got Talent, or... Yeah, she was a judge on one of those shows. Yeah, yeah I think like America's that. Got Talent might be the show she was a judge on, which I've never seen any bit of until the other night. I had it on for a little bit just because I was curious because I came across it randomly a few weeks ago, the very beginning or or midway through the show. I knew Howard Stern was on it, mm-hmm. but, but I got the sense that Howard Stern is the guy on the show. Okay. I was like, wait, that's interesting. So the other night it happened to be on, so I was doing some actual work in the house. So I had it on while I was doing, I was trying to fix this door and stuff. So I was like, I had it on the background because I was like, I'm going to keep it on because I'm curious because Howard Stern is, is, is the guy, you know, he, they added him to the show and he, he automatically became like the head dude, you know, mm-hmm. like he's, he's harsher than everybody else, you know, like he shoots it straight. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. He like made a little seven year old cry or something. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I was like, and Howie Mandel's still there and. And Stern is obviously dominant to Howie Mandel. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yes. But I think when the show originally began, Howie Mandel was supposed to be like the, you know, the big guy. Well, know? he was coming off of all the... Um, Those 100 to 1 or whatever, or what's it, the, the, the briefcase, briefcase show, whatever Yeah, it was what was called? the briefcase show called? I want to say let's make a deal, but it no, wasn't let's make a deal. No, it's not a deal or no deal. I deal mean, or no deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100 to 1 was the knockoff version of that. Okay. I think it was hosted by, um, what's his name? Ed Bigley Jr. Bullard, I think might have hosted it. <laughs> we'll be back in two and two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today at dinner, we were talking about game shows and... Um, Oh, my dad, what did my dad say? He said uh, that his favorite game show of all time was uh, Squares, Hollywood Squares. The old Hollywood Squares with like Paul Lynn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably goes back to the 70s, I'd imagine. Yeah, that's a 70s thing. Where Paul Lynn was always center square. Yes. Yes. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it ran from '65, so it's you know it was even. Who was hosting then. those? Was that like Gene, whatever his name was? So let's see. Who was I mean, I don't know. When I was a kid in the '80s, it was the one hosted by the syndicated version, hosted by John Davidson, and they always had Shadow Stevens and Rick Dees. And- yeah, let's see here. Uh, Hollywood Squares Encyclopedia. Uh, so Burt Parks. Burt Parks hosted the pilot. Okay, and then let's see. Where does it show hosts? 
narrated by, presented by. <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor was uh, was one of the announcers for some oh, reason. That's funny. Um, he's got a good announcing voice though, because he's got a good booming voice, Jeffrey Tambor. He does. He does. I don't. Uh, I don't see a list. A list of the hosts. Hollywood Square hosts. Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall was one of them. I think that's the guy who was the host throughout the seventies. Uh, pro- Peter Marshall. Let's go to his Wikipedia page. P- Ralph Pierre Lecoq. Better known by his stage name, Peter Marshall. Isn't that great? His last his his birth last name was Lecoq. <laughs> Uh, Tom Bergeron? Yeah, Tom Bergeron's a latter-day host. Okay. And then Although John Marshall Davidson. occasionally worked in film and television, he could not find regular work in the industry until his friend Maury Amsterdam, awesome, Maury Amsterdam, <laughs> recommended him to fill in for Burt Parks, who emceed the pilot as the host of the game show Hollywood Squares in 1966. show had a long run on daytime network TV and in syndication, making Marshall as familiar to viewers as the celebrities who appeared on the show. He, the easy gone, unflappable Marshall was a perfect foil for the wicked wit of such panelists as Amsterdam and his Dick Van Dyke show castmate Rosemary, Paul Lynn, Jan Murray, and Wally Cox. Hollywood Squares was canceled by the NBC network in 1980, but production continued syndication into 1981. So he was the host from then until 81. Yeah, that makes sense. Who, Davidson? No, Peter Marshall. Oh, Peter Marshall. He's the face I was thinking of. Okay. Uh, No, Davidson hosted the 80s version of it. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, John Davidson. It was always like Shadow Stevens, Rick Dees, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Bruce Valanche. (laughs) Bruce Valanche was always in Hollywood Squares. Whoopi Goldberg was uh, Center Square for a long time. Yeah, she was on the one hosted by Tom Bergeron, I think. Yes. Yeah, that was she. That was her gig, being the center square. What I used to love the John Davidson one because that's the only one I ever watched. I never really watched the ones after because I was older. Yeah, not around. You remember if you'd win, they would have the thing where there was like three or four cars up there, and if you chose the right, you you get to choose a key. Then you got to choose a car you want to try, and if the key worked, you won the car. If not, you didn't win shit. Right, right. You know, I guess he right. wants parting gifts or some nominal thing, but you could win a car, but you had to choose the right key. And then it'd be like, well, what car do you want to try, you know? And be like, well, I'm going to go more concerned, because there was always a, a better type of car, you know? <laughs> right. It was like a greed, you know? Uh, yeah, they, you know, they always ask the question, and they'd always give the bullshit joke answer. And he'd be like, no, but seriously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you like, in Britain, in America, we drive on the right side, blah, blah, blah. In Britain, they drive on what side of the road, you know? Oh, they drive everywhere because they're all drunk, blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> um, it was the same if- formula for every fucking question answer. Right. They always had to have the ambiguously... Uh, the ambiguously gay guy 
to have a double entendre joke with, yeah. whether it was Paul Lynn or, or uh, Bruce Valanche. Bruce Valanche was a uh, that was always a uh, a staple. Yes, um, I would have went with the match game as the best um, game show. Who was having this conversation with the best game shows? Oh, you and your you and your parents. Yeah, yeah, we're sitting at dinner. But your dad prefers Hollywood Squares. He prefers Hollywood Squares. Right. Yeah, which makes sense because it would have been at its height, would have been while he was in college, into his early adulthood. Yeah. And back then, like you know, there wasn't a ton of programming, and in the sixties. When or fifties and sixties, right? That's when, when quiz shows and stuff, yeah, were like popular fifties and early sixties and stuff. S- that quiz show scandal was in the fifties, I think. R- right. So then this was kind of a departure from, um, you know, from that serious quiz show kind of deal. See, this is you know more tongue in cheek. What I was thinking of the Gene guy. Gene Rayburn, who was the host he, of the match game. The match game, yes. yes. Yep. Um, Charles Nelson Riley, Brett Summers, yeah, Richard Charles Dawson, Riley, Fanny Flag. <laughs> I used to like uh, the sixty-four thousand dollar pyramid or whatever. The one Dick Clark hosted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. And um, press your luck. Okay, man. Have you ever seen? I the... never saw the documentary. Oh, you got the guy s- who figured out the. Um, the dude that figured out the pattern and won a bunch of money. Yep, you gotta watch it, man. It's pretty yeah. good. I don't. I think I know they showed on the Game Show Network or something, right? Yeah, it's yeah. on YouTube. Uh, Didn't the, the guy game... kill himself or something crazy like that? He had some kind of tragic end. Uh that's a good question. Big. I used to like that show because you know I was like big bucks, big bucks, no whammies, no whammies. Stop. <laughs> and he hit the whammy, he'd come out dressed up like. Uh, Michael Jackson or something, you know, and sing right. a little tune and drive, run off or something, you know. Uh, let's see. The press your luck guy. He got involved in a legal scheme to sell a foreign lottery. He died um, from of throat cancer in 1999. Uh, okay. Well, he did meet a tragic end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they break it down. They they really break it down. Yeah, I've watched and, the videos on YouTube and stuff of him doing the shit, you know? Michael Larson is his name. Yeah. I can't believe that they uh, that they didn't catch on to it sooner and just do away with them. Yeah. Because they taped those shows, you know? Yep. Well, you know what? A couple of years ago, they had a thing... On Price is Right, where some guy or whatever, he basically won everything. You know, like he had the best Price is Right showing of whatever. And when he when he got the thing at the end, Drew Carey was kind of like blew it off. Uh, and later on, because I was reading about it later on, because he was, Drew Carey acted like that because he was like, oh, this is, they're going to bust this guy for cheating and they will never air this episode. Right, but they didn't. But they had nothing to bust them on. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like counting cards. Yeah, you know? yep. Like they'll take you out and and kick well, you out of the casino. Well, they've had these 
like scandals involving prices right about that. People that have like marks in the crowd, you know, like where they do like all these people that study the prices right for like a long time before they actually get on the show. You know, it'll be like a two-person operation, basically. But then you still have to get picked. Well, that's the thing. First, you got to get picked, you know? So you probably need to live out in L.A. to do it. Right. You need to live in Southern California to be able to pull the scam off because you got to show up to the show enough where to to get picked. Exactly. Which, in that case, like... Good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's how many people in the audience. Yeah, you fill out, and I guess that's something they had to figure out, too, how to make yourself seem interesting, because they all fill out, like, little survey type of things, you know, before they go in. You know? After oh, they, they base how they're going to, who they're going to pull up onto the stage, you know? Oh, it's not totally random. It's not totally random. I think you fill out like a little questionnaire, you know? I mean, I know when I tried out for Jeopardy, that was part of it was like a questionnaire asking you stuff because they want to know, they want interesting and diverse people, not people that can just play the game, you know? Right, right. You need Um, to play the game first, but you also need to be interesting, you know? Let's see. Uh, I'm going to look this up, but tell me about Jeopardy. I, I vaguely recall that you auditioned for Jeopardy, but not really. Yeah. It was when, when I lived, it was junior year, the first year we lived in 1106. I uh, drove down to New York City with like Shaggy and Steve and this girl, uh, Sarah, and we got a hotel room and. and it was the it was the weekend the Yankees beat the Braves for the first their first World Series since like what was seventy eight or something. It uh, was the big hot stud. Yeah, so that was my first year of law school. Yeah. Okay. And, um, what I remember was uh, see the the night the Yankees won the World Series, I went back to the hotel early because I'm like I'm gonna have to wake up in the morning, you know. And Shaggy and those guys had stayed out on the town. While everybody was going nuts, ripping shit down, you know? <laughs> like, I remember they were like, oh, there were people on light posts and stuff like that. But I was like, I can't be out all night because I had to get up and take the test. But I was out for a bit, you know? I was out yeah. to like midnight or something, you know? It wasn't right. super uh, early that I was in. But I remember the next day, you go into the ballroom, this ballroom in, in the Hilton there. Uh and uh, there's like a hundred chairs in there, something ridiculous like that. And everyone's got a sheet with 50 blank spots on it and a pencil. You know, and you take your seat wherever. And I remember before everything gets gone, all these kids are sitting around me. We're talking. There was like a cute Asian girl next to me. And then all these people, and they were all like the Asian girl was a Princeton student. There were some kids from Harvard, all these Ivy Leaguers and shit, you know, around me. Okay. And, uh, and you know, like, well, what did you do last night, you know? And, oh, I was staying in studying. I was, and they're like, well, what did you do? I was like, oh, I was out, man. I mean, the World Series is on. 
I'm in New York. When the hell am I ever going to – and the Yankees won the World Series. When the hell else am I ever going to see this again? (laughs) (laughs) But they had all lived these chaste lives the night before. And then also I was like a Syracuse guy, so they just thought I was kind of an idiot. Right. So, like, they get to what they had, and I'm sure it's more modernized now, but they had two of those TV uh, carts, you know, like you have in high school. The TV carts with the that's like probably five feet high and then it's yes, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. They had yeah. two of those, and uh, they play the questions, and it's Alex Trebek reading the answers, you know, and and all of the answers back then eight hundred and one thousand in Double Jeopardy with the highest uh, denominations. Okay, uh, before which meant they were the two hardest categories. Two hardest levels of questions. Yes. So all the questions were, I think it was like basically 50 different categories. Okay. And they were all either 800 or 1,000 level questions, they said. And there was basically eight seconds between each one, which is, I guess, what it is on the show, you know? Right. So you had eight seconds. So you, you don't have to do what it is, you just fill in the answers. So it comes in, you know, and, you know. 50 questions times eight seconds, that's 400 seconds, you know? So it's all not that, not all that long, you know? Right. Just a few minutes and it was over. And, uh, and so they get up there and the two producer people are at the front of the room and they score everybody's test, you know? And then they're like, all right, they're going to start naming the people. First person, the people that passed to come up out of like a room of at least 100. First person they named was me. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and I remember the little Asian girl turned and looked really shocked at me. <laughs> she was like, no way. That's what? incredible. Wait, okay, so hold on, because I gotta take a I gotta take a leak real quick, but um that's a good place to pause. Cause I wanna find out what happens next. Yeah. yeah so yeah. hold on one second. Okay. Apologize for the delay. Um, okay, so you get called. What happens next? Well, once you get called, I think they called 10 people at right. that room. 10 people out of the 100 or whatever it was passed or got scores high enough to be considered worthy to be on Jeopardy. Okay. So, um, so then after you know everybody else leaves and then they bring you up there and they ask you questions and they do a couple of mock games but the mock games uh that was very frustrating you know because like you're it's- allowed to buzz in until they read the question even though we didn't technically didn't have buzzers you know it's very tense you know but then they ask you a couple of questions about yourself you know and then they, but first thing they tell you, like, if we don't choose you from here, it doesn't mean you're not, 
good enough to be on Jeopardy. They're like, you're here, so you're clearly good enough to be on Jeopardy. <laughs> you know? So they give you that encouragement. But I think they might have done, I'm trying to think. They did four sites around the country that year. They were in L.A., of course, New York. There was a tryout, actually, in New Orleans. And then there was a tryout probably, like, in Chicago or Minnesota, somewhere in the Midwest like that, you know? Okay. And I think each one of them, they do two two sessions. Like, when I did that, we did one session. I think there was either a session the day before or another session later that day. So... Basically, if you're assuming there's eight sessions around the country and 80 people get picked, then you're lucky if you get to be one of the 15 that they choose for the tournament, you know? Okay. So that kind of sucked. But, um, and I. So why didn't you try out for College Jeopardy? That was College Jeopardy. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And the thing was, one of the producers was a Syracuse grad. So I was like, oh, that might help me. You know, because he was like, oh, you go to Syracuse? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I went to Syracuse. I was like, oh, cool. This will help. I'm in. Yeah. But then the thing that I thought was going to hurt me, and I think it did hurt me, was the fact that there was a New Orleans edition. And and you know what I'm saying? They try to get diversity. And I'm like, well, they're probably not going to come to New York to get a guy from New Orleans on a show when they're already doing tryouts in New Orleans. (laughs) Right. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, I guess I could, I guess I should have tried out for it again. Uh, Steve Insminger, you know, Steve-O, his wife, uh, Steve's brother-in-law, actually was on Jeopardy about 10 or 12 years ago. And he actually won an episode. No way. Yeah. And when I was up there years ago, Steve was like, she so was like, "Live, man. Uh, you know you can go on it." Uh, he's like, "My brother-in-law. He's got. It. He's able to give a recommendation or whatever. Since he's a winner, he gets a reference." You know. Oh, sweet. Yeah, but but it's kind of like I don't know. The fear of going on there and being terrible is scary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, the the problem with. Uh, which would happen to him, unfortunately. The one episode he won, he won a little bit of money, but it was like one of those war of att- wars of attrition. You know, those episodes where everybody's like missing the final Jeopardy and stuff. Yeah. You know, so I don't think he didn't walk away with a whole bunch of money. Okay, but still, just the pride of being. Yeah, a but champion. he did win. Did win one one show. Yeah. Um. Pretty cool. Okay, so listen. I got the um, the Jeopardy practice test here. You want to take a couple questions? Uh, sure. Because this might this is gonna do one of two things. It's either gonna confirm uh, your fear that you're out of your prime and yeah. that you shouldn't be pursuing this, and then in which case, no harm, no foul. Or it's gonna give you the confidence to get back on the horse. Okay. All right. This is what I think. I think you're going to do it. I think you do it. Uh, let's see. It's 50 questions. I'm just going to go in order. I'll, we'll do, I don't know. We'll do, f- do 15. We'll do 15. How's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not going <laughs> uh, to do 50. Uh, but I was just seeing if they go in kind of like, yeah, I don't want to give you all the easy ones, you know? Yeah. But uh, it doesn't appear that these are, 
in any type of order. Okay, so clue number one. I'll tell you the, the subject and then the answer. Okay. Okay. Months of the year. Each year, it's Black History Month. What is February? Correct. Recent movies. Slumdog Millionaire uh, is set in this Indian city. Mumbai. What is Mumbai? What is Mumbai? Correct. Where is Mumbai? <laughs> Royalty. This British queen outlived her husband by 39 years. Who is Victoria? Correct. Queen Victoria. Um, of the Victorian era. Yes. Literary genres. Uh, an apostolary novel is written in the form of these. A pist- Please spell the word you're Epistolary. saying. Epistolary. It's written in the form of letters. Correct. Uh, number five, drama. This group played a major role in early Greek comedy, but later appeared only between acts. Uh, what is the orchestra? Oh, sorry. What is the... What is the chorus? Yes, yes correct, but I'm yeah, sorry. No, but only, one, only one shot yes. there. Um, clue number six, big business. Murex, Conch, and Clam were the names of early tankers owned by this company. Who is Shell? Correct. Familiar phrases. A farewell performance is this bird's song. A farewell performance Uh, is this bird's song in quotes. Familiar phrases. Swan song. What is the swan? Correct. Number eight, animals in literature. Oh, this I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I might not know it. Uh, (coughs) The villains in Ricky Ticky Tavi are this type of animal. What are pigs? (laughs) No. I don't know Ricky Ticky Tavi. What is a snake? Ricky Ticky Tavi, the famous story about a mongoose. Uh, On to uh, Simple Science. I've heard of Ricky Ticky Tabby, but I've never read it <laughs> or had it read to me. <laughs> uh, clue number nine, Simple Science. It's okay. the type of electrical current that travels one way only. It's the, Is that a... It's uh, a type of electrical current. A direct current? What is direct current? Correct. Golf uh, clue number ten: golf lingo. It's the term for shooting a three on a par five hole. Uh, is that an well? Is that an eagle? Correct. Okay. Correct. Clue number eleven: U.S. states. It's the third largest state in the U.S. in area. Montana. No, I'm sorry. It is California. California. Okay. Uh, number 12, Back to Bach. A group of six chamber works from 1721 is known as these concertos. The Lover's Concerto? I don't know. What are the Brandenburg Concertos? Uh, uh-uh. um, patriotic Songs, number 13. The Fruited Plain appears in this 1893 song. America the Beautiful? Correct. Clue 14, celebrities. 
In 2008, this young actress publicly confirmed her couplehood with Samantha Ronson. 2008, this young actress publicly confirmed her couplehood with Samantha Ronson. Oh, I know that's going to be wrong. Who is Michelle Rodriguez? Oh, who is Lindsay who is Lohan? Okay, I couldn't remember. And finally, you should get this one right. Vocabulary. It's a lady's dressing table. Or a synonym for conceit. What is a vanity? Correct. Correct. Yeah. I think I did I all think you right. did all right, man. You don't need to know all of them when you... No, because you don't have to ring in on <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. Uh, let's see. I, 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 knew, I knew Michelle Rodriguez wasn't right. It's just that I know she's a lesbian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I would have gotten the Black History Month. Um... I would have gotten the swan song. I would have gotten the snake. Okay. I would have gotten the eagle. And I would have gotten America the Beautiful. I would have gotten Lindsay Lohan. Okay. And I would have gotten uh, Vanity. I would have gotten about half of them right. I think you only got two or three wrong. So um, that's about right. It's about on par. Yeah. With our relative... uh, Knowledge bases. Yeah. All shit that you just pick up and you remember. Which I'm not very good at. Yeah, yeah. He served as the Archbishop of Krakow in the in the 1960s. Who is Pope John Paul II. Correct, correct. It's where everybody knows your name. It's Fagan's bra. All right. Speaking of which, speaking of which, um, so our plan is uh, in motion. I got a text yes. from my brother to want it, to wanting to know uh, what the exact details of the plan were. Jeremy, if you're listening to this, you need to be out of that house by <laughs> September 23rd. Uh, it's you, your wife, and your kids, and get the fuck out. Hit the bricks. <laughs> uh, go a little gentler. I owe him some money. You, and you're gonna forgive. You're gonna forgive. You're gonna forgive your brother's death. <laughs> Hi. Bad enough you spent two months wrecking, screwing with the podcast. You only need to screw with our, uh, with the first uh, two sorry excuses road trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, Josh wanted to know what the plan was because he's always, um, he's always up for uh, uh, an opportunity. Oh well, Josh can do there. whatever he wants. I love that guy. <laughs> Unlike the faithless, Je- the faceless Jeremy. <laughs> Did you ever meet? Uh, the only face I can put to Jeremy is a is a thirty year old picture of him, like in some kind of dandy suit. Um, you never met him. That picture you had of you and your brother is where y'all like in little dandy suits oh, as kids. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, the siblings' day picture. Yes. <laughs> So true, so true. Um, so, I think, 
I think the plan is going to be to head up to the Poconos. I think that'll, that'll okay. definitely be the plan. It's much easier. It gets. Was that off of the um, the solid gold uh, sold out album from uh, SNL back in the eighties? Uh, where they've taken all the contemporary classic oldies rock songs and turned them into um, sales pitches, <laughs> and it was the album with that. Yeah, sing it, was, sing it again, because I don't, I know. Go to the Poconos. <laughs> no, that the Poconos one was. I gotta get out right, of this right, place right. and go to the Poconos. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, like, one of the first few episodes we did um, was, it was, like, it was in November, so I think I was, like, headed to the Poconos. I was like, we got we yeah. got to record on Tuesday instead of Thursday, because I'm going to the Poconos. <laughs> you gave yeah. your rendition of that song as well. We gotta get out of this place, if it's the last thing we ever do. <laughs> We gotta get out of this place and go to the Poconos. <laughs> I remember some of the other ones that they had, which I probably did at the time too. Like, hey, hey, you, you, Lego Ma Ego. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I gotta find that friggin' bit. You know, it's so hard to find these SNL things because they have a hardcore copyright on all their crap, you know? Right. Yet they don't have it all available to you on Hulu or the SNL apps and all this stuff, you know, right. like which kind of bothers me. You know, if you're gonna clamp down on the copyright and stuff, at least have it available for anybody to see somewhere. Yeah, you know, especially nowadays, everything's out there. You know, yeah, people are willing to pay for it. They're willing to pay a, you know, ninety nine cent subscription or. You know, yeah, yeah, totally. Just the seven. I pay ninety nine cents a month just to be able to access classic little bits from SNL that I remember. Yeah, you know. But you know what I've kind of found in doing a lot of work and a lot of research, um, you know, with new media or or you know strategic planning and stuff, like people are no matter how progressive they seem, and a and a show like Saturday Night Live is. Is progressive, you know, in the content yeah. and, and even the media distribution. Like, they introduced digital shorts and stuff way before that was popular anywhere else. Yeah. But they're still stuck in, in an old medium, you know. They're not really embracing anything new because it's way, way riskier to kind of break the mold. Yeah, yeah. So let somebody else do it first. Let somebody else, you know take their lumps and then you kind of follow suit but they're for some reason they're not following suit it's kind of a bummer because yeah. it would totally be cool if there was some type of product yeah i mean that. they have an snl app now but i don't think it's that easy just to access anything you know i had it but then i got a new phone and i haven't had it on there in a bit you know because of that because it's one of those things i forgot about right you know because they don't tra- that was something that I learned because the last phone I had was my first iPhone. Everything just didn't get transferred over. You know, I just assumed they would transfer everything over. Even the stuff they said they were going to transfer over didn't get tra- didn't didn't make it over because they screwed up. You know. Yeah, and apps is one of those things that um, 
typically don't get transferred over anyway. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't know they couldn't do that. That's what I'm saying. The stuff they were supposed to transfer over, like mu- music and pictures, they screwed up and they didn't get any transferred over, you know? And my big problem with the music issue is, like, my laptop is ancient and I just don't feel like, uh, I just don't feel like, uh, uh, dealing with going to get a new computer right now just because it seems like a unnecessary expense because I rarely use it anyway. Right. But what I bought last week, actually, which is very cool, I bought a flash drive. It's a 32-gigabyte flash drive with a Wi-Fi on it. It has its own Wi-Fi signal. So what you can do is you take it and plug it in the computer and load all the music onto the flash drive, and you can take it out, you turn on the Wi-Fi, and then my iPad and my um, phone can stream the music from the um, from the flash drive. Holy shit! Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's like next level kind of stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. And I, I was I was waiting for the price to drop on because the one that I got was normally like seventy bucks or something. And one day I saw that it dropped down to like. 40 bucks and I had a $5 coupon from Best Buy. <laughs> you know, it was like a flat like a quick sale, so I was like, fuck it, I hopped on it, you know. Right. Cuz I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to drop $70 on that cuz what if it's shitty, you know? Right. But I was like 35. I think it ultimately it cost me like 38 bucks or something. That was enough. That was worth it to me to try it out. And it is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, and this is like kind of new. So imagine how awesome it's going to be in a couple of years. Oh, how much advanced it will be! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, just I'm just thinking about like ten years ago uh, when I got a flash drive and it was like a, I think uh, I got like a one gig flash drive and it was kind of expensive, but then a couple of years later I had to replace it. I had to get another one, you know, and it, I paid, like, not too much money for one with four gigs, you know. Now, uh, I just, before, when I, I bought another one, not, you know, for, <laughs> for all kinds of other stuff, not for <laughs> dealing with shit like that. What do you have, and you, it's like, a utility belt full of flash drives? <laughs> no, no, I had to buy a new one because my last one broke. Like, one that had all, like, work files and shit on it. Yeah. I had it in the computer at work, and I hit it. You know, and I guess I disconnected the shit, so I can't even access any of the stuff on there, which sucks. So I got another. So the one that the Wi-Fi one I bought just to put music and pictures and shit on, you know. Right, right. But I got another one for like stuff that I need, like work files. Well, a it's tiny, and it's sixteen gigs, and I paid six bucks for it. You know, that's crazy. It's like. A one gig flash drive ten years ago they were probably charging like thirty bucks. Yeah, for it, you know? it's insane. Yeah. Now for six bucks six bucks a month, sixteen gigs, you know how long it would take me to fill that up with, with work product? <laughs> you know? I mean like how big are like these uh office files, you know, doc you know, Microsoft uh Word documents. They're like, you know, one point two megabytes or something. You know, they're small. Right. You know, it's like it'll take forever to fill that fucker up. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, 
you know, it, it advances at, you know, uh, astronomical exponentially. It increases it does. the speed, the technology, you know? It does. Uh, but uh, so we're gonna go to the Poconos. Yeah, go to the Poconos. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow we got on flash drives, um, and then we'll drive up Friday. And now we just need to um, get our uh, our sleeping situation. Yes. And I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want that to get out. And keep that under wraps for now between us offline, because. Um, Last thing we need is that getting out. What? That we're gonna have to sleep somewhere? Well, that that where we're where we're attempting to sleep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then, then they'll put the uh, kibosh on that before that plane even gets started. Okay. Well, we can talk about that offline. Right. Right. Because then, where will palm trees go? And like, it'll just be a whole big mess. It'll be a, yeah, all right. A, now I'm kind of intrigued. It'll be a whole big mess. <laughs> um, all right, so then, uh, so we'll get on that this week. But otherwise, we're in good shape. We got our tickets this week. Yeah. Which ended up being a little bit of a clusterfuck. Well, only because I mean, you told me you were waiting to hear back from Michael Vincent. I never knew you were waiting to hear back from Michael Vincent, who was waiting to hear back from abroad. So. So here's yes. so I was in the cold about that. I was like, it's a yes or no question. What? <laughs> I was like, why is this taking twenty minutes? <laughs> so the whole the 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 whole issue with the with the ticket buying is you want to buy the best value ticket yes. for a number of reasons. One, because you want to get the best buy. Two, you want to make sure that you can enjoy the game from where you're sitting and then also there is the 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 chance that if you can't make it what would you do with these tickets and you want to obviously maximize um maximize your resale if possible but then the quantity of tickets always gets uh interesting because you don't want to get stuck with a ticket but at the same time it's always you don't want to be stuck with an odd ticket either right Right. Yes. But it- I just know this when I was little, my dad would drop my brother and I off outside the dome, you know, be like, you know, go see if you don't get tickets, you know, just off the street. Yeah. You know, we'd be like, you don't want to come. He's like, you know, because we never had tickets. He's like, he's like, it's hard to find three tickets. He's like, you're better off just the two of y'all gone because it's always easier to get two tickets. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And so he would give us money. And be like, go see if y'all can get into the game. <laughs> <laughs> so You know, that was like, we were like 11, 12 at the time. Like, you know, going to these Saints games. And we usually got in, you know. Right. But having bought tickets for a living for, for a yes. number of years, I know how these things work. And I know the demand on a Syracuse game even against LSU is not going to be that high. Now it's going to be Maybe not, but you're not. You're underestimating the travelability of LSU fans. Uh, I don't disagree with that, but I knew that I was looking at the map. Once I got into the map, then it gave me a little more comfort of what 
would be possible and what we were looking at. You know, we weren't looking at prime seats. We were looking at, you know, upper deck. And we could always go over a section and still get what we got. You know, the quality of the seat wouldn't be as good for what we paid. But we, we weren't in danger of not getting into the game and having a reasonably decent seat. The seats that we got, I think, are decent seats. I don't mind sitting in the nosebleeds. Well, I don't think it's bad because Syracuse is a small stadium. Yep. And I mean, it's only a 50,000-seat stadium, so being up at the top of a 50,000-seat stadium, that's kind of like being like in a lower, high area of, of the Superdome, which is 70,000-seat stadium. Right. It'd be like in that mezzanine level. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think it's that bad, really. And it's we're on the fifty yard line, which I'm yeah I'm always partial to, as opposed to being lower and you know and the corners of the end zones. So when we had the opportunity to get four tickets, I was like, well, you know what? Um, there's also some stuff I know about Roscoe that that I also am going to keep for an off the air discussion, but I kind of figured he'd be interested in going. And, um, so I was like, wait a minute, if we got a chance to get four, I was just texting with him. I know he's around. Let me see if he's interested. We have four up. No big deal. I didn't realize that he was going to be checking for, uh, a chick. Then he's like, yeah. "Give me a few minutes." And then I knew we had a few minutes on the on the shopping cart. So yeah, well, you told me this is the thing. You're like, he's answering right now, but we didn't hear an answer for another thirteen minutes. <laughs> I was like, it's a yes or no question. Right. What's he writing a fucking warm piece? <laughs> right, right. But I also knew that once you <laughs> went into the shopping cart, then you had another. You know, you would get more well, I mean, minutes. And the th- and the benefit was. It was only like you had to have the alumni code or whatever, the alumni link. Right. You know, so the next day it was probably worse because the friggin' scammers or the the ticket brokers or people that want to sell them to the LSU people were probably hopping on all the shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say to, to some extent. Probably not in our price range, but – yeah. Um, for, for better tickets. But so he he's coordinating that. And in my mind, it's it's four tickets if he's coming. But what he doesn't realize and what I didn't communicate at any point during the discussion was that we had a third guy. We had a mystery man who was involved in our ticket buying. Right? We bought for, for your buddy. Yeah, yeah, we bought for our buddy, so we were already buying three tickets. So that didn't come out in the discussion. Um, and wait, wait, what? What discussion with you and Roscoe? With me and Roscoe. So anyway, Roscoe thought there there was going to be two extra tickets. I don't exactly know how it got fucked up, but. It ended up being that his girl actually said yes. I said, I'm going to pull the... Wait, you told him there were four tickets, so he's thinking, oh, there's two seats yes. we need to fill, and you didn't you, you, you didn't realize that he didn't know that we were already buying three tickets. Correct. But we could have easily bought five. Well, okay. They had I know. eight seats in a row right there. Okay, listen, this is where it gets fucked up, and I'm, and, <laughs> and I'm, and I'm copping to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay so he says um i'm like hey dude what's the deal and 
actually, I'm going to see here. Uh, Going back, like, in your text messages or something? Yeah. So, blah, blah, blah. Paul Rudd's funny. We're talking about American. Uh, Maybe they weren't text messages. Uh, I guess not. But anyway, he didn't realize that there were three people already spoken for the tickets. So I'm like, I've got four up right now. He's like, fuck it, pull the trigger. That's when I told you to buy them. And you're like, I bought them. He's like, I convinced her to go. If she doesn't go, then I'll find somebody else. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. I said, uh, hey, you have any interest in a ticket to the LSU game? I'm buying ticks with Liv. We're going up. He said, yeah, yeah. He says, be ball or football. <laughs> <laughs> I said football September 26th he says at MetLife I'm in <laughs> which I think is really funny because his first instinct is that the LSU game is going to be at MetLife yeah so, I don't think they're going to be doing that anymore I don't think so either So I, they're talking about they're, they're, they're working on scheduling Wisconsin where it came out this week but I don't think they're going to play those games at MetLife yeah not with Daryl Gross gone anymore yeah yeah uh, so I say, ha, 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 no, Dome. Uh, we're headed to the Cuse that weekend. I said, I've got ticks on the screen. Oh, no, I didn't fuck up. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Well, it's a little bit of miscommunication, I guess. I say, I've got ticks on the screen. Gonna buy three, but if, but if you're in, I can get four. No worries if you pass. He says, I'm in. Give me f- yeah. Give me five minutes. I'm checking with so-and-so to see if she wants to go. And then a bunch of time goes by. You're 13 minutes, apparently. And then I I write, hey, any luck? I'm going to pull the trigger on four. But if you want to bail, no issue. He says, pull it. If she's out, I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to find someone else to go. I write, perfect, four it is. He says, I have a way of influencing girls from Syracuse. What can I say? I have a gift. (laughs) To which... I, that he writes at 1.04 p.m. Two minutes later, I realize what just happened, and I write, fuck, she's in? Oh, I fucked that up. We only got four, but we needed five. I'm not going to mention this to Liv. We'll just see how it plays out. <laughs> uh, and then that was the whole thing of telling him, well, you better tell that girl she's not coming or something? Nope. He says, my bad. I said, no, sorry. It's my bad. I failed to mention that we already had a third guy. Although I do mention it. I don't make a point of it. I go, it's definitely my bad. Don't sweat it. It'll work out. She, yeah. he says, but it wouldn't have been a big deal if we had to buy five. It wouldn't have been a big deal at the time. So yeah. then... Of course, this isn't the first time I've fucked up a ticket order. I worked in the ticket industry for six years. Um, yeah, I'm, so you're good at fucking them up. I'm good at fucking them up. I'm even... Notice what industry you don't work in anymore. What's that? Notice what industry you do not work in anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> Although we know there are other uh, extenuating circumstances, circumstances for that. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I go back on, and I look at the tickets that you bought, and I notice the two right next to them are still for sale. Yeah. So I go to yeah. I go to that whole row was 
It was open for like eight seats when I first got on there. Yeah, so I go to grab one. As a matter of fact, we have... Don't we have row... Oh, no, we don't have row X. What? Row W. We have row W. I could have bought the ones right behind it. But either way, so um, row W is available. I don't get the seats that uh, we were looking at. Um, I get two over from that. I picked off another one. So obviously somebody's going to switch that's sitting in between our group. So it won't be that big of a deal. But I ended up solving the problem. But I thought it was funny because... So you solved the problem by... I bought a single two seats down from our seats. Okay. But, like... It doesn't matter. It's all freaking bench seating anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. And I could have avoided it by not saying anything to Roscoe in the first place. But... You mean not... Not um, not offering them to them, you know? Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say was let's just buy four tickets anyway. Because my view on it is we'll always be able to find one person that wants to come to this game with us. Even if it's somebody who's already in Syracuse. Yeah, see, that, but that's the trick, though. And if you don't, then you're stuck with it. Yeah, but I knew we'd be able to find somebody. All right, all right. I, like I mean, it, it could have been guy, you know? Yeah, but he's not going to be up there. Oh, uh, yeah, he won't be up there at all? No. So that's the thing. I, mean, I know he's not living up there, but was he? He has other plans that weekend. Um, yeah, I don't imagine that heading back up for a game will be high on his list after just moving. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's guy. I mean, heading back for a weekend to like get wasted with us. You don't think that'd be high on his list? <laughs> no, he will just have left like a couple weeks before. So what? Still see that being pretty damn high on his list of shit to do. Oh, I would say no. I would say no, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I haven't seen Guy in years, but I have a hard time believing he's reformed that much. I mean, if I told him that you were coming up and, and, and he hasn't seen you, like that might be added. Um... That might be added incentive. I don't think you're giving Guy a lot of credit here, man. Well, I know Guy, and there's a couple things Guy hates to do, and they would really involve all yeah, of yeah. those. I know, I know, I know, I know. All know those exactly things. About now, yes. So, um, I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about. So, All right. So who knows? How, how much longer we got talking veiled? <laughs> how how productive it is to spend the last twenty minutes of the show. Friggin' hiding conversations. <laughs> um, and if you're listening out there, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> oh, so anyway, so that's we that. We're somewhere. We just can't say where we're gonna eat. Else, <laughs> there'll be people who are unhappy who might spit in our food when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um that's a few positive steps in the last few weeks that we've made in getting ourselves yeah, we, got, uh, we just need to figure out um where you know where we're gonna lay our heads down at night i mean which is an issue especially the fact that you know you and i are definitely in our middle age yeah you know my boy is not you know he's like he's probably like 32 but still, 
he's probably still too old to be sleeping on grounds and shit like that. Oh yeah. Floors. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's married with <laughs> Right. <laughs> he's got a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's past the sleeping on the floor type of thing. Too. Yeah, no, no way. I would rather the three of us sleep in a bed together than sleep on the floor. <laughs> I mean, like we did, uh, like you, Mike, and I at the uh, Final Four. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That was fun. They gave, like, I wasn't supposed to be there, but you had to share a king size bed with Mike anyway. Right. That was already the deal. Right. Or you, me, and Ange at uh, yeah. the Eagles yeah. Fest. <laughs> I remember years ago when, um, I think it's when I was living on Comstock, so the fifth year I was there. And one night, you know, I was all, you were up there for the weekend. And then I, uh, I came home pretty tanky, you know, because I'd been working and stuff. And I went in the bed. And, my bedroom, and you were in the bed. And I was like, ah, screw it. And I just rolled you over. <laughs> the next day I woke up and you weren't there anymore. I was like, I remember thinking, was he weirded out by this? But I know that's not the answer at all because I've shared a bed with you multiple times since. <laughs> yeah, I will sleep with anybody anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> 20-something-year-old guys, share three guys sharing a bed together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they shared the bed with you and your wife. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, then, on that note. Yeah. On that note. Oh, all right, brother. Uh, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>